this is going to be a little bit shorter mm -hmm. because you and I are going to go to the symphony pretty soon. Woohoo! I'm excited about this. I am super excited. I haven't been to the symphony in probably, oh, I would probably say 12 years nice. since I was in college. It was, it's, it was awesome. I got to go to the symphony uh, regularly because my friends in college were a part of a, a local symphony that was um, playing um, at a church that that was above that was um, on the same street that I lived on, and um, a lot of uh, students were a part of it, and faculty were a part of it, and it was it was a a great experience. I so. was looking at the PSU events calendars last night. Yep. And apparently there's another symphony going on, I want to say, on Thursday night that we could possibly go to. Huh. If you're interested. Uh, what time does it start? I want to say it's over by 9.30, mm -hmm. but I could double check. Okay. Because you just have one class the next day. I do have one class the next day. 9.30 isn't too bad to get back home. Mm -hmm. Well, that's what time it ends. That's what time it ends. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that, that wouldn't be too terribly bad. We'll have to talk about that i feel kind of dumb because i selected print tickets instead of physical ones oh now you're taking your purse right uh my fanny pack yes okay do you just want me to give you the tickets then um yeah i think i think that'll be fine nice because if i don't i'll have to take my fanny pack okay. and we don't want that no. Even though I brought it, but it doesn't look as aesthetically cool as just having a shirt on and pants. You know what I mean? Right. Um, let's see. You know what? I Let me think about this. I may take my purse because then I'll be able to put my phone in there and everything. Mm -hmm. I, I got to think about this because I haven't taken my purse anywhere for a while. So I've had, uh, I have a fanny pack, but let's uh, let's see how that goes. How long have you had your purse for? For a while. Nice. I I can't remember when it when I uh when it was bought for me. Uh, somebody bought it for me, and I can't remember when that was. But it was I had it for um a few years. I remember my mom would just keep all this change in her purse, and she always wondered why it was so heavy. <laughs> <laughs> well, because you kept it in there. Yes. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> I have a little bit of a follow-up yeah. to In the Dark. Really? I watched the first episode this morning Yeah. in part because you woke up near the end of it. And then when you were in the shower, I finished it. I finished like the last 10 minutes of it. Of uh, the, the episode? Okay. Yes, of the first season. All right. Episode one. Yeah. And I like it. But Question mark? I'm wondering. So... Here's basically what I've noticed. Yeah. The main character is obviously blind. Yep. She had RP. Yep. So it's implied that she lost her vision over time. But uh -huh. in the show, she said that she was completely blind by the time she was 14. Yeah. And she was adopted. She has a good relationship with her adopted father. Yeah. Her mom. It's not that they don't love each other, but it's a little bit contentious. Kind of a love-hate relationship. Exactly. Okay. They run a guide dog facility. It's a little unclear. Her of, and her mom. No, the dad and the mom do. Oh, okay. And she work, works there. Right. I'm not sure if they train the guide dogs there, meaning yeah. with the actual public, or yeah. they do work before then. Uh-huh. And I honestly, I don't know that world too well anyways. Okay. So she has a guide dog. Yeah. She has sex with this guy whose wife donated $10,000 to the guide dog school. Whoa. All right. I really enjoyed that scene. No, they didn't have sex. I'm sorry. They were about to. The wife was going to take a trip someplace else, but her plane ride was canceled. So she comes back oh. to the apartment. They throw the blind chick out. I think her character's name is Murphy. Murphy. Yep. And then they throw her clothes at her. I, I like the scene because they didn't return the cane. So she has to figure out a way home. They didn't return her cane? No. Where did they keep it? They just kept it in the house, They I just guess. kept it in the house and just said, okay, you got to find your way home. Or the apartment, rather. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so she was having an affair with that guy, with that woman's husband. This was the first time they were going to hook up. Oh. Okay. Okay. 
So the check gets canceled. She has to explain to the parents why. <laughs> they don't show the explanation, but they show the parents' reaction to it, which I thought was pretty cool. Okay. And They weren't very happy with their own. No, not okay. exactly. Yeah, I wouldn't be. Here's where I feel the show goes off course. Yeah. She has a roommate, and I like their relationship because the roommate is very together in a lot of ways. Yeah. And the Murphy character is kind of falling apart. Like, you can tell if her parents didn't own this place, she would have been fired a long time ago. It's so, one of those things. Oh, so she they own her her building? No, they own the guide dog place. Yeah, I know, but where is she living? She lives with the roommate. Okay, okay. But what I'm saying, babes, is if they didn't own the business... She would be gone. Exactly. Uh, it, would have been, it would have been the end of her livelihood. Well, she wouldn't work there because she drinks a lot and has yeah. sex with guys. Yeah. And all that's all good in the hood. Here's my issue. For her, it. yeah. Yes. She has a friend. I don't remember the character's name, but it's implied that his cousin had her friend killed. Oh, wow. Because they were selling drugs on the streets. Wow. Okay. And Murphy and the friend tracked... No, Murphy and her roommate, I should rephrase it, tracked down the friend's cell phone uh -huh. and turned it into the cops. And there's kind of an interesting interplay. There's an actor I've seen in a bunch of other stuff, but I don't know his name. And he plays one of the cops whose daughter is blind. But she oh. went blind a couple years earlier in a car accident. Oh, okay. And that stuff actually works. What doesn't work for me is this whole investigation. Of the, the, the friend's uh, murder? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and and they're just, like, trying to be super sleuths. Exactly. Okay. And I'm afraid that that's one of these things that's going to go on throughout the series. Throughout the first season, at least. Exactly. And to okay. me, that's less interesting than just seeing this character live a life. So, and not so, be put in this e extraordinary situation. So basically what you're saying is if it were based on an investigation and not her blindness, it would have worked. Yeah. Like but, Veronica Mar Mars. Exactly. But because it's based on her blindness, I'm not really as interested in the investigation stuff. You'd it rather, falls short to me. You'd rather figure out, you'd rather find out um, how she handles herself as a blind adult. And how she grows as a human being. Yeah. Yeah. If any. Exactly. Yeah. And I did some research. Of course, the actress who plays the character Murphy... Is not blind. Is not blind. Who, who is she? She was on this other show called Shameless, which I've heard about. Mm, I've heard of that show, And too. I watched one or two episodes. I couldn't get into it, but I know some people who I respect who love that show. When did that show come out? Because I, I, I've heard of it, but I've never seen it. I'm guessing, like, 2010. Okay. Uh, What... Um, what network was it on? Showtime. Showtime. It okay. ran for like nine seasons though, and it had William H Macy, who's good in the show, mm -hmm. but there's just too much craziness for me. Yep, he's also married to Felicity Huffman. Wow. Yep, that's that's her husband. Oh, that's crazy! I didn't know that. Yeah, William H Macy. I believe she mentioned it at one time. Um, I might. I think it might have been on on an award show or a talk show or something. But she's married to William H Macy. When she was trying to get lenience from the judge, she said, "Well, you know, I could get an autograph for for you from my husband, William H Macy." Oh my goodness! You remember the guy who got his wife kidnapped and killed in Fargo? I'm married to him now. <laughs> that guy. <laughs> that one. Yes. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh-oh. So I want to see a show where there's just a blind character living their life. And I thought that's what this was going to be. Mm -hmm. And maybe I'll turn out to be wrong. I'm going to give it more of a shot. Mm -hmm. But I think that's more interesting than putting blind people in these circumstances where they have to show that they're superhuman. Yeah, and I, I just... I've just heard mixed things about it. Some people like the show. Some people don't like the show. Mm -hmm. Some people think she's, you know, she's funny and everything. But there are other people that think that she's a horrible character. I like her character. Yeah. And there's a scene in the show. I think she's talking to the daughter of the cop mm -hmm. about, you know, 
why did this person say that the chair is right here? I can't see it. Yeah. You know, stuff like that. I really dug. Yeah. Because it's realistic. Yeah. There's things about this show that work to me. So that's why I'm going to continue with it. Okay. But we're going to see what happens. Yeah. How do you feel about this? Uh, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm personally not too interested in seeing the show just because of how uh, blind people are portrayed in the media mm. or in um, in shows. But, I mean, if you like it, that's cool. I'm, I have no interest in watching it. I'm liking it so far with some concerns. Right. I've noticed something interesting over the years. Yeah. And I think both sides have it wrong. Mm-hmm. This is political, but it's not really. Okay. Okay. On the left, yeah, I know a lot some lefties in the disabled community yeah. who don't think that non-disabled actors should portray people like us in media. And I have a strong feeling about that too. Okay, and then the reverse of that is I know a lot of right-wing people who don't care and who think it's fine, but yet don't understand why we get a weird shake when it comes to TV shows. Uh-huh. And I kind of think that both perspectives are wrong so i I do too actually my take would be if you're gonna cast a disabled character at least audition some people with disabilities i would agree which i get the impression and i could be wrong that most of these tv shows just would never do Or, or maybe they never thought of doing it yeah because they didn't know they wouldn't know like well how would this work but they don't even take the time to consider it yeah and if there's a sighted performer who's better at playing a blind character, give that person the shot, but at least let a couple of blind people read for it. I would I would agree with you on that. I mm-hmm. mean, because we've never been portrayed. Oh boy, I'm gonna it sounds it almost sounds woke that I'm saying this. No, but, but it's an honest opinion. But an honest opinion, you know, we've never been portrayed um realistically in sitcoms. We've never been portrayed realistically in movies. And frankly, I'm kind of annoyed by that. Mm. And I shouldn't be, but I feel like we really should have somebody um, playing a real blind character that actually went through blindness because I think it would really be more realistic. It's either superhuman or the victim. Exactly, exactly. It's like there's no other uh, two sides to it. It's just a, either either the superhuman or the victim. And we're neither... I mean, we shouldn't be any of those things. Yeah. Did you ever watch that show Growing Up Fisher? No. I did not. But you told you kind of told me about it. What is it about? Let me give my preamble. And then I'll give you the explanation of the show. All right. I had mono in 2014. This was before I met my J-Lo. That sounds really horrible, by the way. It was not fun. I was basically stuck in bed for three months because I lifted something. And one of the things you're not supposed to do is lift heavy objects when you have mono. But I didn't know I had it at the time. So that's why I did it. Yeah, and I threw up. It's a whole thing. But we don't have to go into the whole details. But. I knew I was going to have to basically spend three months in my apartment doing hardly anything. Mm -hmm. And I'm texting back and forth with friends, getting recommendations for TV shows. Coincidentally, this is when I got my Netflix subscription, which is probably not a huge shock to you. No. But I have a good friend, and she said that she had been watching this series called Growing Up Fisher. Uh Now, my friend is also blind. Yeah. Okay. And... She's like, you know, I don't know if I like this show or not, but you should give it a shot. Yeah. And it's with Jenna Elfman as uh-huh. like the ex-wife. Mm-hmm. The dad is played by J.K. Simmons, who's a really good actor. Yeah, I heard of I heard of him, yeah. Um, I believe there's a kid on the show, but the premise is the parents are separated. The kid is like 11 or 12 and is really close to his dad and gets threatened when the dad gets a guide dog. And this is about his experience, but it's almost like a Wonder Years or it's a flashback show. And Jason Bateman, if I'm remembering right, does the narration of the kid as an adult. Wow. And the thing that was kind of interesting to me is the head writer on the show based the series off of his life. Like his dad was blind. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. So I was interested to watch it. And huh. I only saw a few episodes about of it. I did enjoy it, but it kind of felt 
to me like they were doing a little bit of that stereotype of the dad being the superhuman who could yeah, fix who could anything, anything and yeah. was a successful lawyer and also did this and was great like, with like women. He, like he was trying to, they're trying to make him look like MacGyver. Exactly. Right? Because MacGyver could take anything and make it into something cool. Like MacGyver who reads Braille and was went it, to guide dogs. So I know that Richard Dean Anderson played MacGyver. Was he a blind guy too? Do you know? I don't believe so. I've never seen it. Okay. I, I saw it when I was really little, so I kind of remember a little bit about it. It was in the 80s. By the way, we know somebody who is a huge MacGyver fan. We do? Yes. Okay. And that's all I'll say about that. White now, the I vaguely remember the show because, like I said, I was like in elementary school when it came out. And I just remember that he would make things out of uh, everyday objects and it would turn out really cool. I remember hearing about it. Yeah. But I never watched it. It was on Netflix for a while. Yeah, and it, it was uh, it used to be on ABC. Okay. Yeah, I believe it, the network it used to be on was ABC. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And they talked about it on The Simpsons a fair amount in the early seasons because yep. Patty and Selma liked it. Yes, they did. What was that episode? One of them married Sideshow Bob. Uh, Selma. Uh, what's on? Um, Patty. Patty was um, with uh, Principal Skinner for a while, and Selma married or was going to marry Sideshow Bob. Yes. Yeah, and there's a great scene in that episode where they come home and she had missed MacGyver. Yeah. And Sideshow Bob just starts yelling about what a horrible person MacGyver is. It's been a while since I've seen that episode. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Have you seen any good portrayals of blind people in the media? It sounds like no. No. Okay, let me, uh, and, and tell me if I repeated the story, because I told you this in private. Um, I don't remember if I said this here, but there was a uh, an episode on, on the Golden Girls. Oh, yeah, you did. Did I? About Rose and her sister. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Did, did I tell you, did I say this? So, you did. Um, I did? Okay. Yeah, that was a horrible, I mean, in some ways, there are parts of it that were good where Rose wanted her to learn how to live as a blind person by going to the blind school. But then you've got that stereotype where, oh, uh, by the way, um, um, I know where this thing is because it's 25 steps to the left or whatever. Yeah. I can't remember what she said. It's like, oh, and you have to make sure that you uh, stay away from that wad of chewing gum. And I'm like, okay, realistically, blind people typically do not count their steps unless they have to. I've met a couple, and to me, that would honestly be more of a distraction. I would agree. I mean, maybe if it's something's like 10 feet away, that could yeah. work. But if you are somebody who walks a lot, yep. I just think that that would be more of a problem than it would be worth. Yeah, because you're thinking about other stuff. You're thinking about what direction you're walking in. Mm-hmm. You're also thinking about what street you're going to cross and safely crossing streets and turning you're not going to be thinking about steps unless you really have to count your steps which in my case i don't count steps regularly nice it it just it's just not realistic and not everybody does it and of course blind people are all different from each other no no two blind people are alike so i just think it's such a an inaccurate portrayal and blind people. yeah, it would be okay if they had that portrayal and another show had a blind person who didn't do that and was just being a normal person. Mm-hmm. But it's usually they have that and then they'll have a blind person who maybe they don't count their steps, but they do other weird stuff. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I've ever seen a portrayal of a blind person who, for example, had a lot, a lot of uh, blind isms, and you and we we both know about that. Mm-hmm. You know what? You know you know those typical blind isms, self uh, self soothing things that some people in the sighted world don't know about, which is kind of embarrassing. Yes, um, <laughs> to tell you the truth, <laughs> um, but um yeah i mean well what about okay remember when we were watching uh young frankenstein yes and gene yakman was a blind guy yes well what did you think about that portrayal i thought it was funny 
It's funny. But listen, in a comedy to me, I wasn't offended. I know a lot of people took umbrage with that particular portion of the film in the blind world. To me, I looked at it as it was a funny scene. Yeah. But, it wasn't like something to take serious. Yeah. It would be nice if there was more representation in media of us where we are just like normal people and not shut-ins like Gene Hackman. And what about the one? I forgot what movie it was, but remember I, I um, was it Welcome? No, it wasn't Welcome Roxy Carmichael, but it was a movie that we were watching together and uh, somebody had a blind roommate and she was putting on these weird things in a blender. Oh, that was Deuce Bigelow, male <laughs> Yeah, that's right, that's right. Deuce Bigelow, male, thank you. <laughs> that was kind of a funny scene. I wasn't yes. too offended about it. And then she gets her vision back at the end, looks at Eddie Griffin, and she's like, you're black. <laughs> I knew it. And it was right after they had sex. That was such a funny movie. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> it worked. <laughs> <laughs> but those funny scenes shouldn't be taken seriously. No. Just, just funny scenes. But, I mean... Generally speaking, uh, the portrayal of blindness in media is so inaccurate. I remember, babes, mm -hmm. in like 2005, yeah. Stephen Bochco came out with a series. I want to say it was called Blind Justice. It didn't oh, yeah. last for very long. I heard of that series. Yeah, a lot of people it. in the blind community did. They yeah. were talking about it. Uh -huh. I don't know what the consensus was, but it, if I have the premise right... There was a cop who was shot, mm -hmm. went blind, and then returned to work. Mm. I don't know. It seemed very cheesy to me, the idea of it. It did. It it it, it did. Mm -hmm. It was almost like, you know what it reminded me of? Tell how me. how when um uh when Nog in Deep Space Nine got his leg blown off. Oh, that's I thought that was a lot more realistic. No, no, that was realistic, okay. but it reminded me of copying that. You know, oh, like I he see. He was going back to work. Yeah, and he didn't want to. Um, he didn't want to go back to reality. He wanted to um stay in the um Vic Fontaine world. Yes, he wanted to stay in Vic Fontaine's world mm -hmm. in the Hollow Suite. Yes, and didn't want to face anything. I mean that that makes more sense because of that, you know, because of the universe they were living in. Yeah, but the blind justice thing, I don't know. No, no, no. What would be more realistic? to me, is if somebody lost their blindness and they didn't just lose their blindness, but they lost their job. and So they become sighted and no, you can no, 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 I wasn't finished. Okay, go They ahead. lose their job and they have to get blindness training. Oh, you said lost their blindness. Uh, lost their sight, I'm sorry. Nice. Okay, so what I, what I was thinking is if, if they had a series where somebody actually loses their sight and they lose their job. Yeah. Uh, and so all they have to do now is go get some uh blindness training um in order to get back into the the workforce that would be cool work. like something that based at a cool. training center yeah it and it could be, cool. be a dramedy it wouldn't have to be all funny or all serious i would i would definitely pitch that idea to somebody because it, it is realistic a lot of blind people have to do that i'm actually kind of surprised that nobody's made a show like that i know mm-hmm but it's probably because maybe there is there you know there's a lot of people that don't know about blindness training centers. Yeah, or the idea has been pitched, but some executive didn't think it would really work. I mean, that would even work for a um, a deaf person. I guess so. Yeah. But but I think in this case, I'm talking about blindness. I think it would totally be an interesting show. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Did we talk here yesterday about the Just Suit Me episode with? Dave Foley. Oh, oh no, 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 no! I don't think so. But you, you told me that was really funny. <laughs> I'm at home in 2002, living in an apartment mm -hmm. with a couple roommates. Yeah. And I don't know. It's like 11 at night, flipping through the channels. There's a rerun of Just Shoot Me on. Mm -hmm. Nothing else was good on TV, so I watched it, and Dave Foley comes to their office. I think he used to date Wendy Malick on oh, the show. Really? Okay. And Laura Flynn Boyle, Boyle, not Boyle, uh, runs into him 
And they start talking, he's blind, and he thinks that that's the reason that Wendy Malick broke up with him. Now, by the way, this is the only episode of Just Shoot Me that I've seen from beginning to end that I can remember. So I don't know the show or the characters that well. Okay. Okay, so they go out on a date to a movie theater, and he starts preaching about, I can't see the screen because I'm blind, and you're (laughs) pitying me, blah, 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 I hate this, I'm blind. People in the theater start yelling at him, and they walk out. Now, Laura Flynn Boyle talks to your girl, Lindy Malik, and she's like, I stopped dating him because the only thing he ever talked about was being blind. (laughs) He had no other interest in life. (laughs) So then she decides, well, what if instead of going out, we have dinner at your place? Mm -hmm. And the entire conversation (laughs) during cooking is about his blindness and about he can't do anything because he's blind. (laughs) Now, that's funny. That's that really funny. <laughs> oh, I will say this. Yeah. Um, the show Becker had a blind character. Yeah. And that was actually pretty well done, uh-huh. all things considered, I thought. Yeah. Now, I didn't really see the later seasons, but from the episodes I saw, I thought the character of Jake was re- within the bounds of reasonability. Mm-hmm. He had a job. He wasn't uberly successful. He didn't run a corporation. He didn't fight crime at night. Right. And he was making his way through life. Yeah. And, and, it, and it worked. Yeah. So that's a portrayal of blindness. And I think that actor is actually cited. Okay. But he convinced me. But they but but they made it they made it um to you, they made it more convincing. Yeah, because okay. he's just living his life. And, and it wasn't uh, blind focused. No. Like well, if it were really blind focused, it, somebody would say um, how do you guys, uh, you know, dress yourself or eat yeah. food? Or- and you'd be like, well, I use echolocation to dress myself. My goodness. Echolocation <laughs> is such a joke. I know. We all have lo- echolocation. You don't have to use the, um, that little clicking noise that people make. I think it's really annoying. Um, but it's really, it's, you know, when I first heard about this, okay. And I love my mom. Before I say this, I love my mom. I'm not trying to trash or bash her. But I will say this, that every time there's like a, a blind phenomenon that, or someone thinks of it as a blind phenomenon, she's like, oh, you got to do that. You got to get into that. Well, I was talking to um, my former O&M instructor at the time and she said, yeah, but I think that echolocation has been sensationalized. Yes, absolutely. It's been sensationalized. And, and she said, and here's another point too. She said, uh, you're only seeing this guy, you know, you're seeing this guy use look echolocation um, because of where he is. Very controlled Very controlled circumstances. It's not like this person is walking in an unfamiliar area and this guy, and, and we're talking about the specific guy that teaches it. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was another uh, guy, a younger guy named Ben Underwood who used to use it. Uh, unfortunately, he died. Oh, um, really? Did he get hit by a car? No. Oh. No, but my mom uh, showed me a video of him on YouTube, and I was watching his echolocation video because he was on the Oprah Winfrey show. And I'm thinking, come on, somebody had to have walked with him in the studio. Mm-hmm. He didn't get there by himself to where Oprah was. And you're, I'm thinking you're gonna sit there and tell me that echolocation is like the end all and be all of mobility. Absolutely not. I don't believe that for a minute. I just thought it was like the most sensationalized thing, and I agree with that that mobility instructor because she's been teaching for a long time. And I said, yeah, it, it doesn't sound to me like it's gonna stick. No. So there's an NPR podcast called Invisibilia. Invisibilia. Yes. I don't know if they're still doing it, but the first or second episode they ever made was about echolocation. And they actually interviewed somebody who used to be a mobility instructor where I got training at. Yeah. And I didn't really do a lot of lessons with him, but he was teaching at the time I was there. You said that that guy was pretty cool. That guy was pretty cool and very, 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 very smart. Wow. And I did not get the impression that he was endorsing it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Good. Did he did he give like um specifics on well you shouldn't here's why I don't think you should depend on echolocation for everything? Well, 
I heard it once about eight years ago, and he's only in the podcast for maybe a minute. Mm -hmm. And I was just tripping off of the fact that I've I've met this guy. I've, I've met his wife. We had drinks before. You know, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I couldn't tell you, unfortunately. Is he like a younger guy? He's older. Older? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Here's a blind cafe story, but don't worry. We're not going to be shitting on the management today. Yeah, because you do that all the time. Well, I've, if you notice, you know. <laughs> I try to stop. Okay, good. Mm -hmm. That's good. You're improving. Thank you. <laughs> What's up? They say, I'm not the man I'm, I could be, but I'm better than the man I was. Yeah, that's always a good thing. Thank you. Go on. Anyways, we do a blind cafe in some city. Don't ask me where. This yeah. was obviously several years ago. Yeah. You know, uh, back before modern times. Right. Yep. Back in the Middle Ages. Oh, my goodness. It wasn't that far back. <laughs> it's me... Doing the Q&A with somebody else who was very into the NFB. Yeah. And somebody who I do not believe is into echolocation at all. Yeah. But is very into hearing themselves speak. Oh. Okay. So Full of hot air. Yes. Okay. Somebody asked the question, what do you guys think of echolocation? And I just say, as somebody who's taught blind people about mobility, I think it's dangerous to depend on that. And I really wouldn't want to use that as my main skill when it comes to travel. Absolutely not. And he says, well, I got to add on to this. Mm -hmm. And he goes on this whole like five minute rant about how, well, in some ways we're always using echolocation and we use it all the time in everyday life. And it didn't make any sense yeah. considering I knew him outside of this and his real thoughts on it. Well, and there's also another um, thing called facial vision. Where you don't just hear things, but you feel like, for example, that you're going, um, you're walking close to an open, mm. uh, wider sidewalk, or mm -hmm. you're coming close to the street corner because you hear sounds up ahead. Um, but that's a uh, that's a known um, skill to have in mobility if you have um, if your ears are good. Yeah. You absolutely um, should use your hearing while traveling. Absolutely. Yeah. But but I wouldn't depend on echolocation because what if I what if I thought that there, there was something coming up like a car or a wall and it wasn't a wall, it was somebody it was a person. Yep. I mean that that's just it's just like um uh walking around with no cane all the time. It's so unsafe. You can't depend on, you can't always depend on um, sighted guides for everything sometimes. Sometimes you really have to use your cane to follow a person. Um, just like that, you know. So so when my um, my mobility instructor at the time was explaining to me what she thought about echolocation, I, I thought, I absolutely agree with her. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. She's, she was white. Really coax. I'm glad we're on the same page as this because I think it's such a dangerous. I mean, it could be used for some things, but it really shouldn't be the end all and be all of mobility skills. No. It, yeah. Absolutely not. And and I just I wonder the the guy that was being featured on whatever show I was watching. I wonder if he's profiting off of it, if he even has a if if he's even teaching it. That I could not tell you, but anything's possible. Yeah. Yes. Um, I don't know. And that clicking noise is really annoying, too. Yeah, it is. I don't know how anyone does it. Mm -hmm. It's just really annoying. <laughs> well, I mean, I know how they do it. But I don't know how you get information off of that that's useful. No. And, and things bounce off the walls all the time. You don't even have to click your... Um, you don't have to make clicking noises. Mm-hmm. Things bounce off the walls all the time. So you just use your hearing and listen to the sounds around you to figure out where, what's going on. That's what I would recommend. Yeah. And listen to traffic sounds because that really helps. Yeah. That's what I know. Well, good. I'm glad we're on the same page as that. Babush. I am too there. Little How do you know I was going to say that? You say it all the time, Babush. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, good, babes. Good. Yeah. Good year, well, good. Good, bubbly, good. It would be interesting to get a panel together of people who have played 
blind folks in media mm-hmm. and have a real discussion about what was that like for you? Did you do any research? Or or anyone who has played a person with a disability, yeah. even if they be blind, it's like like I'm really interested in learning about the actors in um the movie Pumpkin or what Christina Ricci um thought about it and what she knew about Pumpkin's uh, disability before she played um, the person who was romantically involved with uh, Pumpkin in the end. Mm-hmm. I wonder how that was because it was it was really funny. But, yeah. But the way that it was done was so... I mean, to me, I thought... Obviously, I thought it was a drama, but it was a dramedy. It's a different type of a movie. No, I see it different as a, a full-on yeah. comedy. Yeah. Yeah. But this is where I disagree with not only you, but also somebody else. Who thought it was a dramedy? Well, I thought back on it, and and you were laughing at certain parts, and I'm like, why are you laughing at that? Well, but, and we don't have to go over the whole we, thing. Because we talked about it. Before. Right, but my take on it is that it's an over-the-top comedy, but all of the actors played it like it was a serious like drama. Like it was a drama, yeah. 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 Yes. Well, I will have to say the, the, the thing that was the funniest is when... <laughs> When Carolyn sees um, her ex in the hospital. Yes. Because his car blew up. His car blew up and he's out of the hospital like a week later and is already comfortable with his disability. <laughs> That's funny. But one of the scenes I love is she's talking to one of her professors. And it was after a day when she had taken Pumpkin and her friend and boyfriend to the beach. And she's like, oh, my God. I forgot. I totally forgot. She started I forgot to do something. And, and the, professor, the-, the professor's like, what did you forget? And he's like, she says, something I left at the, the beach. beach. <laughs> <laughs> or that one uh, lady that was saying, oh, uh, uh, the Filipino is, is out now. <laughs> yes. The Filipina. The Filipina is out now. Yes. If I ever meet Christina Ricci, I'll say, did you ever talk to the Filipina <laughs> after the situation? <laughs> She probably would laugh and say, no, I didn't see her. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty funny. Thank you. And that one girl, Julie, that was a part of the sorority, like she was really into the sorority and I don't know. It was, it was quite funny. Yes. (laughs) There we go. And then, and then then I think Pumpkin won the fight. I think so. Between him and uh, Kent. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That was pretty funny. I don't yes. know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'd like to ask her, and I'd like to ask the um, the actor who played Pumpkin and all the other people, mm-hmm. what did you think about how the movie turned out? Did you talk to people that had the same disability? Um, did you feel a little bit weird um, playing somebody with a disability even though you don't have one? Um, what did you do to make it convincing? I mean, I have so many questions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wonder if there's a way to get Christina Ricci's email address there might be. and do it in a non-stalker <laughs> mode, right? Make it anonymous. Well, not make it anonymous, but get it without like having to feel like you're Mark David Chapman or anything. Yeah, I mean, maybe there, maybe she has two emails. Like she has a personal one. She has one that she uses for business. Business, yeah. She mm-hmm. probably she might have two emails. I could imagine that. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Um, she's probably, I mean, she, it's possible she might be on uh, social media, so you probably might be able to find it. That's true. Go on Twitter, and if it's working, or Facebook, or Facebook and reach out to her. Facebooky. Facebooky. <laughs> Babes. Yeah. I know we're kind of rushing this, yeah. but we do have to. <clears throat> we're going to have to bounce pretty soon. Yeah, let me just see where we're at. So it is now... Okay, we have a little bit of time. It's 11.02 and we're 38 minutes in. Okay, we had to hurry this, so... Uh-oh. Because I, you know, we had to get dressed up and all that. We got to gussy up. Wait. Get all gussied. Yes. Let's start by saying that um, our burgers were really good last night. Our patty melts mm-hmm. turned out super good. Um, I didn't even care if the burgers looked weird or weirdly shaped, but I thought it turned out pretty good. I'm glad we used up all the onions and, um, because I was a little bit, oh no, no, I don't think we did. I, 
I put some in another Tupperware. I'm sorry. Yeah. We used up the pickles and the olives in uh, for the pasta salad. We'll get to the pasta salad in a minute. Yep. But we did patty melts. Yep. I thought they were good. Um, they could have been a little bit better if I'd have been paying a little bit more attention. But overall, I like them. Oh, no. I thought it was delicious. And this was your first time having one. Yeah. I don't, I'm surprised I never did. It was pretty good. Because it's like if a burger... And a grilled cheese sandwich made sweet love. It had a bibbit. And had a bibbit. It had a bibbit. Patty milk. Yes. I named it Patty milk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was good. Yeah. You and I just chilled out on a couch for a while. Then you started cleaning up. We didn't start the movies until a little bit later. Yeah, because I was cleaning up the skillet. And I think um, I need to do... Um, a thing where I heat up the skillet and then at the end of it, I put a little bit of oil on it mm -hmm. to kind of um, um, give it an extra shine. Yes. I guess. Yes. Just a little bit of olive oil is all I need. Um, but yeah, it was it was good. We started off the evening by watching The Third Man. Yep. Uh, you, why don't you give a, a, a recap of it? I'm going to make this super fast. Yeah. A man comes to town. I want to say it's in Germany. After World War II. And he's supposed to be staying with his friend Harry Lyme. Yep. But Harry died. And he supposedly died, yep. Well, yeah, we're going to get to that. He starts an investigation to find out who killed Harry. And in the process of this, he realizes that Mr. Lyme is actually not that great of a person after all. Yep. He's poisoned food. He's had people killed. All this stuff. Yep. I believe it's called the third man because he's trying to figure out who the third man was that was the pallbearer yeah, at Harry's the body, yep. Yeah. And Harry had a love interest. Anna. There's all, Anna, there's all this confusion. Yep. Eventually, he comes to the conclusion that Harry isn't dead. Now, that is kind of given more weight after they dig up the coffin and find somebody else's body in it. Yep. Eventually, we see Orson Welles, who is playing Harry Lyme, and he's a bad guy, and his friend has come to this realization. He asks, meaning Orson, asks the buddy, who else knows about this? Mm -hmm. Friend explains that the police know. We've digged up the grave. He contemplates killing the friend, doesn't do it. Uh, eventually, there's some kerfuffles, and Harry ends up dying for real. And the yep. movie ends with his funeral, which kind of happened near the beginning of the film, too. Yeah, that was kind of interesting how um, it was a duplicate of the first funeral scene. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, Wells didn't direct it. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because he's only really in the last third of this movie. Yeah. But everything before then is basically talking about his character. Yep. What did you think of this movie? I thought it was great. I mean, there was a time where I was like asleep for maybe a second, but it was it was really good. Mm -hmm. I liked the uh, the 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 lady that was describing the movie, and I did like the music. It was really good. What would you give it on the scale from one to ten? Um, you know what? I think I'd give it an eight. Oh wow, nice! I'd give it probably a strong seven or a strong seven. Maybe that would be better. Well, it's your take on it. Okay. You know, you don't have to um, change it because of me. Actually, I I think I'm going to give it a seven and a half. Okay. I thought it was a great movie. Yeah. Would you recommend it to your family? If so, what do you say? Uh, think twice about who your friends are. <laughs> no, I think they would really enjoy it. Nice. Yeah. Well, then we watched another movie that Orson Welles directed and was in. Well, first of all, let's say we stopped between films to make our pasta salad. Yep. And originally you were hesitant to do that. No, what I what I said was I wanted to maybe thought about um, making the sauce and then boiling the pasta in the morning. But then I realized, well, if we do this now, we don't have to worry about the morning. Mm -hmm. And plus, it's going to give all the flavors a little bit extra time to combine. And marinate. And be a little bit more tasty. Yep. The process actually came together pretty well. I think we started at around 8.39 because we asked Miss A. Yeah. And we wrapped up maybe around 9, 10, or 9, 15, as far as cooking yeah. goes. Uh, actually, we started more like 8, 18. Oh, okay. But close enough. Nice. Yeah. 
So it it we it took about you know maybe about an hour or so mm-hmm. or close to it, but um yeah it is now marinating in my fridge. Nice. Yeah. After that, we watched Touch of Evil, which neither of us had seen. Yeah. But I'd heard about the film before. Now we were fortunate to find the Orson Welles um, edited version, which was supposed to be, um, which was. Supposed to be the original version. Yes. But like Orson Welles on most of their projects, he lost control of it and the studio took over and made some changes at the last minute. Because he went on vacation. Well, I, no, I, that's what happened with Magnificent oh, with Ambersons. The magnificent, with the Magnificent Ambersons. Which we're going to watch tonight. I don't know what the case was with Touch of Evil. Yeah. Um, And I think... This is as close to the original version because there are probably certain things that they couldn't do because of lack of footage. Yes. But having said that, it's pretty close from what I've heard. Okay. So I'll I'll keep this really quick too. Um, this takes place in a Mexican town south of the border. I would say two border towns. Two border towns. Okay. Yeah. Whatever. Um, I'm telling a story. Uh-oh. Anyway, um, Mike... Uh, Vargas, who's played by Charlton Heston. He's supposed to be a Mexican guy, but... and What's that Chili Palmer says in Get Shorty to Renee Russo? I'm going to go see Touch of Evil. You want to come with me and see Charlie Heston play Mexican? (laughs) Charlie Heston. Yeah, Yeah, and now we've seen it. But um, Charlton Heston just gets married to um janet lee who plays Susie vargas Mm -hmm. she doesn't know what's going on but um something happens in a car um somebody's car gets bombed and it was supposed to be uh they're supposed to uh do that to uh vargas's car because vargas is a a police investigator and that happens um, Mrs. Vargas is being watched in her apartment and Mike Vargas is, is somewhere trying to investigate what happened to this car and who did it. So she, um, so in order for her to, she needs to get out of her apartment and she is taken to a motel, but she doesn't know that this motel is being run by this Mexican drug gang. And the night watchman is kind of in on it too. Who's this? bumbling guy uh played by dennis weaver i would say dennis weaver in this film is the comic relief yes because mm-hmm. he's like not really you know all there all there yes so she gets there like at seven in the morning and she hasn't had a, night, a good night's sleep and she's trying to get some sleep and the the people the people are up to their shenanigans the, the drug gang and they're trying to keep her awake they're putting the the they're having a party. They're they're um the music is really loud and she's trying to stop this from going on and you know they're trying to scare her as much as possible because they don't want her to know what's really going on with her husband. Um and they're trying to um the 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 cop uh Hank Quinlan I, I no I think he's a captain he's a sheriff. He's trying to um, get rid of Vargas for whatever reason. He has this... And he's played by Orson Welles, who also directed this. Yep. yep. So he does a bunch of things. He frames this guy, um, Sanchez. And, and by the way, you can step in if you want. You're doing good so far. Okay. He frames this guy, Sanchez, and I think he ends up being killed, correct? I think so. I could be wrong with that. Because I was Somebody... a little bit... I was really tired last night. I was too. Yeah. Somebody gets killed in the process, and I forgot who it was. But but well, but, later on, there's a murder. There is a murder, but San but Sanchez is framed, and and Sanchez didn't do anything. Um, he plants evidence where um, there's a scene where Susie Vargas is um held down, and um she passes out. I think they drugged her. Yep. She passes out. And he plants evidence to where um, someone was killed and the body is, like, where she was. May I interrupt you for a second? Yeah. The gang kidnaps her. Yeah, the gang kidnaps her. And puts her in a room with the leader. Yeah. Now, he wants to make it seem like she was raped and drugged and whatnot. Yep. Orson Welles comes in, kills the leader of the gang, 
and then it looks like your girl Janet Lee uh, is um, the murderer. Yep, and it, and they also plant um, roofers and you know in her room and made it look like she was drugged up and everything, and um, <clears throat> so she's kidnapped. She's trying to find her husband, and she's yelling there. Um, fast forward, and I, and I know this is going to be quick, but Vargas has a feeling that there's something going on mm -hmm. and he um he wiretaps the conversation between sheriff quinlan and person who works the person who works at the department and he was pretty much saying that well you know i'm trying to get rid of vargas and um the department person is asking him well why are you trying to do this and you are a really really crooked sheriff and um, and he, you know, he, she, he found out that she, that he framed Sanchez, a young guy. Um, so he takes Var, and he found, he also took Vargas's gun from his, uh, briefcase. And he ends up, uh, killing the, or he thinks he killed the department person. He shot him. Vargas comes into the room and figures out what's really going on. Uh, just one quick thing. Yeah. They're actually outside. They're out okay, I'm sorry. They're that's outside. Okay. Yeah, you can that's why you can you can add some things in, Bubs. Yes. They're outside. Um Vargas is trying to get the gun from him. And then the department the, the guy from the department gets up and shoots Hank Quinlan. Yeah. He does not die. He he acts like he has a heart attack. But I think maybe he did, but he doesn't die from it. He didn't die from it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um. Then uh, Mike and Susie reunite, and that's pretty much the end of it. Orson Welles gets shot and dies for real. And dies for real, yep. Or at least his character does, and the yep. movie ends. Yep. We watched a couple of videos about this earlier today one of them was roger ebert talking about the re-edited version that we saw that apparently came out in 1998 i know that gene siskel is technically on the clip but i believe this was near the time when he was dying of brain cancer Ooh. which is why you heard ebert talk a lot and those last couple of months of the show yeah it was really roger ebert with special guest gene siskel Wow. And Roger Ebert was just kind of keeping it together because Gene was having some difficulties. He couldn't he couldn't really talk anymore. Not in the same way he did before. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And Ebert said something to me that was really interesting and made me very glad that we did not see the studio version. Yep. And that's when he's talking about how people say that they love this movie. And pretend to understand it. Yeah. But to me, it didn't really make complete sense until seeing this version of it. Yep. I would agree. Well, I, I this mean, version made a lot only, of sense, but I, yeah. I can't compare it to the studio version. Yeah, we because can't compare I didn't see it to the studio version. But if we did see both versions, then this one would be the better one. Honestly, I have no interest in seeing the studio edit of this. I don't want to either because how different would the movie would it, how different a movie would it have been? Mm -hmm. Then in the other video we watched, they said, and again, I'm paraphrasing with a lot of this, that without question, Citizen Kane is Orson Welles' masterpiece. Yep. But this film is great too. Mm -hmm. This film shouldn't be discounted just because Citizen Kane is better. And I would agree with that as well. I would too. I know we don't have a lot of time. Yeah. But a couple quick questions for you. We've watched of Orson Welles movies. Yep. Citizen Kane. Yep. The Third Man. Yep. And Touch of Evil. Yeah. We've also watched Chimes at Midnight, but that's a little bit more dicey. That's a little bit confusing. It was very hard to follow. It was good, but it was confusing. But we could add that into the mix if you want to. Yeah. We, yeah. And my question would be. What does Orson Welles teach us about questioning reality? Because in Citizen Kane, he runs a newspaper. Yeah. So he's basically creates propaganda, right? Yeah. In The Third Man, we believe he's dead until we find out that he's not. And he's a criminal. Mm -hmm. 
in Touch of Evil, he plays somebody who sets up people. He's a crooked sheriff. Who manipulates reality in that way. Yep. And take whatever you want from the Chimes of Midnight in relation to this question. Yeah. What does he teach us about reality and question? Well, that? I mean, the the, the guy, because uh, we saw a documentary about Orson Welles, which, which is really bad. Yes. But the guy was right. He played um, bullies. Mm-hmm. Um, he played bullies in these movies and wanted to be, it, it seemed to me like the characters wanted to be the center of attention. Yeah. Yeah. But but that doesn't take away from the movie at all. It just means that Orson Welles, to me, wanted to be the center of attention. And not to mention, because we watched um, some outtakes, and uh, needless to say, he wanted to be the director. A gong from outside. A gong. What's a gong? A bang from outside. A bang from outside. And he was just like, you know, totally like, just you know totally like ripping the trying to rip the uh um the engineer to shreds get I mean, me mrs just, rogers <laughs> yeah get me can i can i please talk to mrs rogers for a minute yes and, and the and 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 the engineer was just being the most politest person as can be and she's like, could you could you just please say this? <laughs> That's a very famous clip. I heard it back in the 90s, way wow. before YouTube. But then the other thing we watched was the outtakes from the wine commercial. Yeah, and that was funny. <laughs> yeah. And he was drunk. So another Orson Welles question that I have for you is, what does he teach us about the feeling of defeat? Because in Citizen Kane... Charles Foster Kane dies yep. because he's lonely and he yeah. basically surrounded himself with people who love him for his money or his power. Yeah. Um, in Touch of Evil, we're led to believe that the reason Hank went down this path was because his wife died at such a young age. And yeah. that he's basically, yes, he's a successful sheriff, but he's really defeated. Yes, it's true. What does he teach us about defeat? And and um, also, Orson Welles is a human being. Well, right? I mean, I don't know how he is as a human being, but judging by the way that he treated the engineer, it just seems like he wanted to be number one. Mm-hmm. Right? He wanted to be number one. He wanted to be center of attention. He doesn't handle defeat very well. And he doesn't want to fail. Orson Welles, a lot of people have said this about him, so this isn't some new revelation, yes. that he was basically a super genius who never really lived up to his full potential. And mm-hmm. because of that, he was hypercritical of others. Absolutely. You know what he kind of reminds me of? Go ahead. John Lennon, in some ways. Explain. Well, I mean, John Lennon was very emotionally unstable growing up because of you know, what was going on with him and his mom. Mm-hmm. But also, like, it seemed like he was very insecure because he was a bully. He didn't like people with disabilities. He was very uh, mean and rude to women. You know what I mean? I hear you. Uh, and, and who knows? I mean, maybe he regretted some of the things. I mean, I think he did. But... um. John Lennon, super, super genius in, in music composition with Paul McCartney. But in other aspects of his life, very inept. And yes, in some ways, I think that Orson Welles was worse. It may be. Yeah. Because we love his films now. Yeah. But... I don't know if he directed any movies that were considered financial successes. Mm. I mean, they all made money because of home video and re-releases. But at the time when all of his films were released, I don't think that they made a profit. At least with John Lennon, he got to see commercial success. Yeah. Whereas Orson Welles was beloved, but he's kind of like that sensation who's like the best kept secret. Even though everybody knew his name, they didn't know him from making films that made a lot of money. Yeah. It was more like he was the critic's darling. 
Yep, the critics, the critics' darling. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which is cool, but at the same time, somebody who makes films that make a lot of money, they have a lot more power over the editing of their movies. Sorry, I just checking time. It's, oh yeah. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. We'll wrap it up soon. Yeah. So that must have affected him a lot. Yeah. Um, and and we've talked about seeing people that don't want to live up to their potential. It's mm-hmm. very sad to see. Like they have so much potential, but they choose not to use it. Exactly. It's so sad. And with Orson Welles, the question becomes. Is it he couldn't live up to his potential or was he the one blocking his way? And honestly, I think the answer is he was his own worst enemy. Yeah. I know that there was issues with Citizen Kane as far as William Randolph Hearst go. Yeah. But maybe if he would have stayed and finished work on the Magnificent Ambersons, it would have come out and been a success. And that one hit would have changed the trajectory of his career. I don't know. This is all speculation. Yeah, we were thinking about seeing a movie called The Queen of uh, Shangri-La. And did you ever read about that? No, I saw it on IMDb the other day. Okay. And he directed it, so I thought it might be a good course of action tonight after watching The Magnificent Ambersons. Yeah. Which I've heard mixed things about, but... Yeah, I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see. But um, we could like it or it could be a total bust. We don't know. Yes. But it'll be interesting. I think Orson Welles is one of those people who I would have loved to have sat down with him for a dinner and had like a four-hour conversation. Yeah. And having said that, I'm almost sure that he would have found some way to trash me after the dinner. Yeah. But it still would have been cool. It would have been fun to watch him eat six or seven dinners, though. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) In the book you read. You said said that he was a glutton. Yes. Which is unfortunate. It is unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah. What would you give of Touch of Evil on a scale from 1 to 10? Oh, I'd hands down give it an 8. Yeah, me too. This one, this version, I was so glad that we found this version because it was really good. There are a few little things. I don't think that Charlton Heston played a very convincing Hispanic oh, no. person. no, and he didn't even speak Spanish. No. He spoke very little Spanish. Yeah. But it's also a product of its time. Yeah. And you got to take that into account, too. Right. I think this is a really good film. It is not on the same level of Citizen Kane. No. But really, very few films are. No, that I mean, Citizen Kane was amazing. And you, you kind of saw like a glimpse of um, control, you know, what happens when a wife is controlled and yep. she can't go anywhere and she just wants to break out of it and she's starting to to find her voice and speak up against him and the pitfalls of success too yep and that's really the film where Orson Welles had the most control because he was coming off of being a successful radio performer oh. and you know had done war of the worlds and all that stuff yep um the other thing that must have sucked is to have peaked that early mm mm-hmm. mhm so even though it didn't make money on its release, it was beloved by a lot of people. Yeah. And that must have been a head trip, feeling like you're always living in the shadow of your first movie. Uh-huh. And you live for another, like, 35 years. Yeah. Or 45 years, actually. Roughly. Yeah, because I didn't know anything about Citizen Kane. I, I didn't know if I was going to like it, but I'm glad that I saw it. With you. That's a great movie. It is a good movie. Yeah, is it the best movie ever made? Like some people say. I would say not. No. But I get why it's in the conversation. Yeah, and the woman who played Susan, mm-hmm. she was very good. And in some ways with certain movies, when you're talking about the best movie ever made, just getting while it's why it should be in the conversation is good enough. Yep. Because it's such a rarefied air. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, very good, babes. And you would tell people to watch this film, including your family. Yes, I would. Very good. Yep. Did you have any dreams last night? No, but I was gone. You I was go. gone. Where'd you go? I went to sleep. Okay, good. Uh, I was out by 12. I was really tired. Nice. I almost fell asleep when you went to brush your teeth. Oh. Yeah. 
But then you came back in there. Oh, here, little J. Whoa. Yeah. yeah. Very good, babes. There with you. Yes. <laughs> All right, J-Lo, is there anything else you want to say? No. Uh, pretty soon it's off to the symphony. We're going to hear The Planets by Gustav Holst. I'm so excited. I'm really hoping it's not a bittersweet symphony. Oh, jeez. I think I'm going to take my purse today. Nice. Yeah. Well, good. Yeah. Just remind me to give you the tickets. Yes, I will do that. There we go there, little J-Wall. Yeah, I will do that. Yeah. Sure. All right, babes. All right. Maybe we should wrap it up with a kiss. Okay. Okay. Bugs. What? Normally, normally babes. Normally. That's what I want here. Ah. What, babe? Stop it. <laughs> we are quite a pair, aren't we? Yes. I keep us normal. You're kind of the weirdo, but it all Um, me. Actually, I am the one keeping you in line. Excuse me. Keep telling yourself that, babes. Mm -hmm. All right. Anything else? No. All right. Bye-bye for now. It's almost 1130. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.